Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Greta Thomas. And I'm Claire Hatton. We're all about producing content where you can be inspired by and learn from amazing female entrepreneurs and leaders to help you achieve and even exceed your career goals. Before we begin this week's episode, though, it would mean a huge amount if you could rate and review our show if you haven't already. Consider it as your kind deed for the day. And we'd love to hear from you. So why not follow us or message us on LinkedIn? Mention the podcast and we'll be all ears. And now enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the show. We're really glad you've joined us here as we don't take your time for granted. So thank you. Now, it's been an interesting month or so, hasn't it, Claire? You can say that again. You know, it's been a crazy few weeks for me with my uh, board work. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was something else I was thinking of as well. It's been a month of sad anniversaries as well, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it really has. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I marked the first anniversary of my father passing away. And just last week, you had the 20th anniversary of your husband losing his life in the Bali terror attacks. Now, my dad was nearly 92, so at least he did the course of life in a more normal way. But your husband, Chris, was just 30 when he lost his life. How are you doing? Yeah, you know what? I'm doing okay. Wednesday, which was the anniversary day, was actually tougher than I thought it was going to be. You know, it's it's 20 years, so it's a long time. But an anniversary like that makes you have to kind of relive things again and go back there and sort of remember things. And so, yeah, it was it was pretty sad, I have to say. Yeah, an emotional kind of full-on intense day, Wednesday. Mm, it was, it was. Now, I did ask you before we came on air if it was okay to talk about the poem you shared on Facebook for the anniversary. You know, I thought it was so beautiful. And I actually think it's almost the essence of what our episode today is about. Because it's mindset and framing. And, you know, the mindset and framing we choose as we encounter all of life's ups and downs really predicts and dictates everything, including our quality of life and how resilient we can be. And Claire, no one's been more resilient than you in the past week. Well, thank you. Now, here's the poem. Would you like to read it? Or do you want me to? Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm happy to read it. Maybe, I think maybe yeah. I'll, I'll give our listeners a bit of context. This is actually a poem that I read at the funeral of my husband. It's really something that has been really my guiding light, I guess. I made a choice right back 20 years ago when it happened that this is the way I wanted to approach things. So maybe I'll read it and then and then listeners can sort of understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. You can cry because they've gone, or you can cheer because they've lived. You can close your eyes and pray they'll come back, or you can open your eyes and see all they've done. 
your heart can be empty because you can't see them. Or you can be full of the joys you shared. You can turn your back on today and relive yesterday. Or you can be happy today because of yesterday. You can remember them and only that they've gone. Or you can cherish their memory and make them live on. You can cry, close your mind and turn your back. Or you can do what they'd want. Keep smiling, open your eyes and play on. Well done. It's it's so beautiful. And each of those lines, you know, it's such a lesson for life events in general, don't you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely <laughs> do think that. Yeah. I think this is in many ways been my savior. But, you know, obviously when something like death of a loved one, particularly when it happens in such a shocking way as it, as it did to me, or any, you know, any deep grief, thinking positive, as this poem suggests, is not really going to turn things around for you immediately. So, you know, I don't want people to think this is the elixir that sort of takes grief away. Because Magically it, and instantly. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely doesn't because, you know, you you have to go through all of the emotions that grief brings you. It, it's actually a really important part of the process. And I have to tell you that I was literally adrift for, for quite a long time. It really took me maybe three years to get back on track. And even then I got, you know, waves of, of grief would hit me and, and knock me around. Yeah. But I, I do think that it really has absolutely helped me in a really, really positive way. And I think that in normal life, it is really key to build resilience, which, you know, we all need just to get through things. Um, And resilience is all about our ability to bounce back after bad things happen. And staying positive is so critical to being able to bounce back. You know, there has to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I totally agree and and totally get that. And I think it makes sense that the time it takes for one to bounce back is, um, you know, directly correlated to the scale of the the setback or the tragedy that happens and everything. But what I love is, and it's not just about thinking positive, it's, you know, I think this is all about choosing to frame things in a way that's constructive. Yeah, totally. For you to keep going. And I think that's so powerful. You know, it goes back even to the ancient times, the ancient Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius. He talked about the power of your thoughts to really influence your whole life numerous times. And one of his quotes that I love is, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. And it's just that whole thing of, Whatever happens to us, at the end of the day, it's the choices we make as individuals in terms of how we choose to have a narrative about that event. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. You know, I love the Stoics. Mm. I think there's a lot to be said to reading Stoic literature. Mm. Um, I think it was 2,000 years ago as well, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, So, yeah, no, I, I, I I think when we are dealing with something that's very hard it isn't always remember, easy to remember that no. you've got a choice on how you choose to respond. Yeah. And I, I think actually um, Marcus Aurelius also said, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Yeah, I love that. That's so amazing. You know, and actually research has proven that 
whilst we've got no control over what happens to us in life, you know, we absolutely have total control over the narrative we tell ourselves, you know, and we can position ourselves as victims or survivors. And, you know, I think your poem really speaks to that for me. And I guess it wouldn't have been helpful though, if I or anyone else around you at the time, and I didn't know you at the time that this happened 20 years ago, but having someone say, oh, think positively then and there would not have been helpful. But it's about you coming to that choice when that choice moment is right in your grief journey I imagine yeah no uh, oh absolutely yeah and you know as as you've said it's not really about thinking positively it's about framing mm. how you want to choose to see these things yeah and actually you know as you said there's there's been a lot of research and there's actually an exercise called finding silver linings which yeah. is um you know something that you can practice uh, to change your narrative. I think it was a 2014 study where they found taking a few minutes to look back at something that recently didn't go well or you defined as bad in your life and pushing yourself to find and write down three good things or silver linings that have arisen from this event. You know, for example, if you miss the bus, you know, a small minor thing, but can be a drag on the day. It'd be very irritating. And I've, I've thrown a hissy fit at times for things like yeah, that. I'm <laughs> sure we all have. I'm sure you all have. <laughs> you know, one of the silver linings that, that you could use is um, that you got more exercise because you walked more today or even ran a bit. Yeah. <laughs> we know how, how good exercise is for us. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really good. Another one I like is um, a good silver lining will be that, you know, you'll laugh about this someday and, and have a great story to tell. Yeah. That was the, the, the silver lining I told myself when I came out of the ba- a bathroom at a, at a wedding. Right. And I had my dress oh, tucked no. into my knickers. Oh, no. And I must have walked around for at least 10 minutes oh, before some dear. nice lady came and told me. That, <laughs> <my dress. laughs> that was my silver lining. That. I'll laugh about this one day. Yeah. <laughs> that is mortifying, yes. <laughs> Anyway, the research, this study particularly, found that doing this for three weeks actually changes how you feel today and it starts to build a more positive narrative muscle inside your brain, literally, for the future as well. Which I love because it's all about almost like training ourselves to make choices that at the end of the day will serve us to have the best life possible and the best quality of life possible. Absolutely. You know, that's what this is about. And, you know, as you said, it builds your resilience and constructive thoughts muscles. Now, as well as managing our thoughts, learning to accept and face what's happened or process what's happened, you know, particularly in your case, for example, or for that for that matter, learning to look into the, the fear of something you fear could happen. You know, these things are important to do. We had an amazing, and it was a very vulnerable conversation mm, some really time ago. It was during the COVID pandemic lockdowns with Heidi Hackamer, who'd been through a devastating few months where she was fired and separately a a different business that she had founded that she was going to kind of still have some involvement with then got shut down. And she has risen above it all now and is flying high, but she really talked very wisely and from experience about the importance of facing into what was happening in the moment versus trying to deny or avoid it. Here she is. Even when I was in the depths of it, I kept telling myself there is another side you're going to get through this. And you do need to walk through this fire. You can't pretend like this isn't happening. You can't pretend you're okay. You need to fully experience this. 
or else you're never going to get over it. And so I don't think there's anything I could have said to myself in that moment different than what I was saying to myself, which was, you're going to get through this. You're going to feel good again, but not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and if you try, if you try to rush to the other side and try to like feel good too quickly, it's not going to be real. So have the bravery to feel it. You know, it's so true what Heidi says, isn't it? You know, mm. if you try to avoid or deny what's happened, you actually can't move forward. Yeah. And, and facing into what happens and then choosing to create a constructive narrative that allows you to move forward in the optimal way is so fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really liked how she talked about having faced that. She then talks also about knowing what can help to make you feel better and consciously then making time to be sure you do those things that can make you feel better. So having faced the awfulness of something that's already happened, you then do something about it. So here she is again. I've been really, really blessed to have spent a lot of time um, with some Native American communities here in the United States, uh, the Lakota tribe in South Dakota. And one of the most profound lessons that I've learned from my Lakota friends is this concept of medicine. And in Native culture, as best I understand it, so medicine are the things that help give us clarity and help heal us. And so in Native culture, medicine is dancing, it's doing beadwork, it's writing a song, it's taking a walk, it's doing those things that like deeply fuel us. And it was an interesting thing for me to take the concept of medicine and the concept of healing and realize that these rituals and these activities, they heal. So the first two pillars to being more resilient are one, managing your narrative and two, facing into what's happened. The third flows really nicely out of this notion of taking time to do the things that nurture or heal us or bring us joy because the third pillar is self-compassion and it's so important. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, a classic example here is the great growth mindset author and psychologist, Professor Carol Dweck. She says that women in particular have a tendency to label a failure as being all about their own kind of identity and self-worth rather than treating the failure as simply one event. She says a woman might say something like, I knew I wasn't any good at that. And research studies have backed this up too. I think it's University of Cornell and Dunning and somebody else is the the uh, author studies. And research shows, on the other hand, though, men are much more likely to blame circumstances outside of their control or other people for not doing well at something, whereas women will take it all on themselves, saying something like, yeah, you know, I knew I wasn't any good at this. That's it's, fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's an example of where women probably aren't so good at exercising self-compassion. I was going to say self-compassion on themselves, but self-compassion <laughs> can only be on yourself. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I personally know it is so important, and I learned it the hard way. Right. I had – it must have been about seven – no, yes, about seven years after Chris died – I got glandular fever, which moved into chronic fatigue. And what I actually realized was that my narrative in my head about myself, not about Chris dying or anything, but about myself, was so awful. 
I wouldn't talk to anyone, not even people that I hated, let alone someone I love in the way I was talking to myself. It was really awful. And it took actually somebody else to point it out to me. Interesting. And it was a real revelation. And so I actually spent quite a lot of time and actually I'm quite aware of it now around, you know, if my narrative starts to get nasty to myself, you know, intervening and having self-compassion. Yeah. It's really, really important. And it's it's yet another case where being aware of the narratives we tell ourselves is crucial, isn't it? Absolutely. Plus having the self-compassion to know that whatever has happened doesn't need to define you unless you let it. And we all need to practice being kind to ourselves and, and speaking to ourselves as if we are our best friend. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And particularly this whole thing about defining you. I know, you know, sometimes if things don't go well at work or, you know, you might get um, made redundant, you think, oh my goodness, that's going to be a label on me for the rest of my career. And it doesn't have to be. And it's up to you to kind of move forward and just get on and see the silver linings and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I totally agree. You talked about how you needed someone else mm. to point out to you that you were being so ruthless and cruel to yourself with what you were saying to yourself. It actually speaks to the final pillar of this resilient mindset that we're talking about today. And it's doing whatever it takes to be mindful. And in other words, we have to like have that practice of somehow monitoring our thoughts and awareness of what's going on inside our heads in particular, but also our hearts, I guess. Now, this could be meditation in the traditional sense, or it could be going for a walk, or it could be like lying down and doing a body scan, one of those exercises where you you start at just relaxing the top of your head, then your eyebrows, then your eyes, and your eyelids, and you just work your way through. That could be an example of a body scan. I think, Claire, for you, it's swimming in the ocean, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, I, I have done meditation before and I found that very helpful. But swimming in the ocean is like nothing else because you're there in your own thoughts, but you're in this beautiful environment and generally it's kind of cold and tingly and it makes me very present and it makes me super aware of what's going on in my head. And to be honest, it just sort of blows it all away, which is I love. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've got one go-to. I mean, walking, yeah, flying actually. I I love flying. You mean flying in an airplane? Yes. like me too. Certainly, I guess it's not – that's not being mindful. That's where I get sort of like creative, I find. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Expensive way to be creative. (laughs) I don't know though. It's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Well – Let's let's call it a, a wrap uh, in terms of the resilient mindset that we've talked about today. We've covered the power of the thoughts we have and the narratives that those thoughts can create for us over time. And those narratives can do us a favor or they can absolutely weigh us down. And that absolutely will affect the happiness in your life, the quality of your life, the fulfillment. So important. 
The second thing we talked about was needing to face into issues and to process them and not bury them or deny them. And I'm a firm believer in also being able to face into what you're afraid of in terms of, say, if you know, you're know at work and you're feeling, oh, the company might make cuts, I might get made redundant, that would be disastrous. Facing into that and actually having a little plan. The, the research shows if you imagine what you would do, it makes it that much easier, but it also makes it that much easier to just get on with your life as well and because no, you really realize does. you can cope. The third thing we talked about was having self-compassion for yourself, making sure that the narratives you have to yourself about yourself are kind and that you talk to yourself like your best friend. And the fourth thing was actually how do you kind of keep an eye on what's going on and how you're treating yourself and what those thoughts are doing, and that's to be mindful, and whether it's meditation or walking or swimming. Well, and that's this episode done and dusted. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a great guest. Yes, and in the meantime, stay safe, be kind to yourself, and manage those thoughts. Ciao for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 